podcast how's it going guys we are here we are back we are super excited we're coming to you late but we really wanted to talk about this episode and not only this episode but this entire sort of mid-season recap of game of thrones season seven um we're gonna go through we're gonna be talking about like uh we gave you the first one and now we're gonna do all the uh, other ones right now so we have stormborn as well as queen's justice and spoils war which is the most recent one uh, an episode that dropped tonight at 9 p.m. So I'm excited. I'm Warren. I'll be your host this evening. I am joined by two of my lovely best friends, the talented mouth of the South, Brylan. How's it going, man? How's it going? It's going well. Good to see your face as always. Yeah, I am excited to talk about the Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm super pumped, and I know we were actually chatting about this from before, <laughs> so I'm really excited for people to get some of your thoughts on how you feel about it. Because um, I think it's going to be super beneficial. So I'm yeah. my, my initial thought is, damn. True, true. That's fair. <laughs> uh, on the other end, we have Mr. East Berlin himself, the Shredder, <laughs> Mike Blewett. How's it going, Mike? Howdy ho. Uh, uh, I, I guess, uh, like, do I have to make it the other end of the spectrum? Like, oh... No. I'd be lying, I'd be lying, but I feel like I, we should take like a, a confrontational approach to this, make, you know, get more clicks on our, our podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, that's no, I, McLaughlin I, I think, I think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think this uh, review starts and ends with like, eh, eh. <laughs> like seeing, seeing that after seven seasons of like, there's dragons, there's dragons, we haven't seen dragons, there's, it, just see them steamroll a bunch of troops, oh my god, yes. it was incredible. Uh, and if yeah. everybody's tuning in, of course you've seen this Game of Thrones episode, but if you haven't, um, just like any episode that we do have here at the Game of Thrones podcast, is that we do go into full spoilers of each and every one of these episodes. So if you haven't quite seen episode any of the episodes of Game of Thrones Season 7 at this point, I would probably say stop, um, because... <laughs> What are you? What are you under a rock? Are you just been? Did you jump off a boat and just been floating away? Who knows? Uh, but we want to make sure that you have a chance to really preserve the magic. So I would say hit pause, and then we're what we're gonna do is really get into this in detail version of Game of Thrones, season seven, episode four, and all the other episodes. So I'm pumped. I'm excited, guys. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we just saw. Let's talk about what we've been seeing for the last couple weeks and. Um, I think it's best if we just start with maybe kind of highlighting some of these characters and just seeing like where they are, what's been happening, uh, until we start getting to the really meat of the conversation of what happened tonight. Um, so let's talk about John. So uh, John's been a king of the North thing, the way uh, he should. I mean, I think he's been a really good uh, leader so far, uh, and um, it. I think one of the most telling like scenes that showed like John's st- uh, leadership style was like uh, when he had the two 
children descendants of those two houses that betrayed him, the Karstarks and the uh, Umbers, come up and swear their fealty to him. And he, I mean, just said, like, hey, if you betray us, we're coming after you. And that's just the bottom line. And a lot of people are like, look at John, they're like, oh, he's a softie. He's talking about, like, making deals and headed south, and he's going to get, like, kind of give up on us because he's physically not here being king of the north. Um, but I think it's really telling that he's going to do what he feels is right for his people. Uh, even if that means saying no to Darnaris Targaryen and not bending the knee to her, mm-hmm. because the North has been through a lot of shit. I mean, being uh, being uh, led by the Boltons, uh, killing Ned Stark, uh, the Red Wedding. Uh, there's been a lot of pain and agony for the North so far, and so they're kind of at that point where it's like enough's enough and we need to watch after ourselves right now. Yeah. But we also know there's a bigger threat that even his own people are kind of like still um, not sure of it. But I mean, as we've seen, John's definitely sure he's going to do what he can to protect his people from the uh, White Walkers coming. Yeah. Mike? I mean, I think, I think Jon Snow's storyline um, also gave us probably one of the better fourth wall break moments uh of this the show um when Tyrion came down and said oh i'm i'm here to brood but you've already done such a better job of it <laughs> like i don't <laughs> like that was that was like uh that was a very that wasn't even a nink of, uh uh what's it called um a wink and a nod to the audience that was just like yeah you guys make fun of Jon snow for brooding all the time so we're just gonna work that into our our show um yeah. Has there been a picture of uh, Jon Snow sitting with Sag Keanu? No, that, that would be good, though. <laughs> what, one thing I'd also say is that I thought that um, they should have cut to Jon Snow in the latest episode uh, after the cave scene with just, like, a paintbrush behind his back. <laughs> like, like, they made a big deal of, like, oh, they got these super accurate paintings. Like, he was just down there before everyone else and, you know, decided— It's real. Yeah, <laughs> come help us, please. He's had a blue. You see the paintbrush with a little blue uh, paint on it, just for the eyes of the White Walkers on there. It's like, wait, how, how'd you get that blue? Where'd you get that, that is, blue from? That is terrifyingly accurate. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I thought. I mean, John so far hasn't been super action orientated, but um, I think that he is bringing more of the politic. And we'll kind of get into this maybe a little bit, but like he's representing the politics side that also is integral to making Game of Thrones feel like Game of Thrones and not just another fantasy war epic. Yeah. Um, I I would like to say on that part of it that his he really didn't get a chance to shine with his negotiation tactics. Like basically, he showed up. Daenerys had a whole plan. And the plan fell apart, and then he, Jon Snow, Jon could have literally showed up, pled the fifth for about a week and a half, and then she'd be like, "Hey, uh, fun fact, can I, can I, can I have your your men?" <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. he never really had any right, like rousing speech or anything for that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was no. cool. Like I just like seeing. Uh, I'm not, like I said before, I am going through an entire rewatch of the entire Game of Thrones series again. 
Um, so it's really impactful and it's really powerful that I see this progression. I see all these characters that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and John just, I mean, I just, I'm at the episode where he just killed his first person, which was, you know, Corn Halfhound of the Night's Watch. Um, and that was a, like, he didn't know what happened. And, uh, you know, even Egret saw the fact that it was kind of crazy. And it's like, wow. Or, you know, that's actually, she knew that it's okay. You know, it's, we un- understand that. So seeing him in this episode, and I think I got to echo what both you guys are saying here, seeing him in this episode and just seeing him this season now, he hasn't been in a battle. He hasn't been in a fight. But now we're starting to realize why people chose to follow him. And I think they're using those words more and more is that we are now seeing that he knows what he's doing. And now he's learning more of the, hey, you don't have to be in a war to be a great leader. And I think he's learning that and learning how to be against uh, these people, really two people here who have the legit claim to the throne, but he also says that, hey, there's a bigger world, there's a bigger war that we need to do, and I like that because of this episode that we talked about before. You know, he leads Daenerys into the cave, um, and I just love the fact that she, we see it in, like, different sections of, you know, the first uh, the children their first children and then we see the first man and then we see them together kind of uniting against the white walkers in the um the long winter so um i, I do like that and i did it i just I, I like the fact that he's grown up um and uh i think a lot of his words aren't necessarily wasted anymore as they they have been he knows a, a bit what he's talking about um even when we're talking about you know one of the previous episodes of you know uh, daenerys and Tyrion were both like looking at him kind of weird of what's because he's hiding the fact that he died and kind of came back so I thought that was pretty cool yeah, yeah. yeah. well let's cool to see him oh, go ahead Mike well, I was going to say real quick um, it kind of sets up this trichotomy if you will um, coining it uh, down front podcast trademarked um, of where you have what type of ruler will Daenerys be you have Jon Snow who is a uh, basically as democratically as you can get um, elected king of the north mm-hmm. uh, with the F in there um, and then on the other hand you have Cersei who was not democratically elected probably doesn't have that much of legitimacy it kind of reigns through pure intimidation um, she literally has a mountain that goes around enforcing her rule and then right in the middle you have Daenerys who has the ability to have something bigger than the mountain her dragons uh, enforce her rule, but she also has the the humanistic side where she was elected um, by the slaves that she freed, and you, you kind of have all three of them um, butting heads and juxtaposing their styles of rule together, and we'll see what wins out in the end. Mm. Yeah, and it was it, it's uh, interesting to see like uh, you mentioned, like what part of Daenerys is actually gonna come out of all of this. Um, if she ends up on the Iron Throne. And um, it was interesting, like, I was thinking before we started tonight, like, you know, over seven seasons, I mean, everybody's saying Daenerys is a great leader, but have we really seen Daenerys be a great leader yet? And I was thinking to myself that a lot of the stuff that, I mean, people want to praise her for, I mean, it's done by the force of her dragons or... The uh, Unsullied, I mean, it's been by might and not by right. Mm. And um, it's, uh, but then uh, with Sandy, like, wow, she 
brought up a really cool point that uh, in this episode about like, hey, she didn't force herself to become queen. She didn't tell us like, now y'all are my subjects or anything. We chose to stay with her. And that's the power of Daenerys that a lot of people uh, kind of overlook is that like, hey, all those people that are fighting for her, uh, those dragons that she kept cage for a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, they're still with her every step of the way, even though you may not see her do something direct or have any like fighting ability herself. She has a presence about her that makes people want to go and do things. I'd even like the comparison from there of, you know, it's it's very funny that, you know, Jon Snow goes to Dragonstone and talks about, you know, the Night King and the long, uh, the long night and they don't believe him. And he said that's fair. But then on the opposite end, Jon doesn't believe that she's changed as a Targaryen, as a person. And so you have these two sort of competing things of neither party believes each other because they can't it's impossible and i like how they i like how john in particular mentions that of this is impossible you made impossible happen um so i i I just i just i appreciated that language of like what's coming back from what they were talking about to create those two comparisons and brown one thing to respond to that i think that denarius's best um qualification as a ruler that is that she doesn't lead herself um she's very much delegated yeah oh yeah exactly where everyone else kind of seems to like john everyone forces him to make decisions uh Cersei forces those decisions and then um denarius kind of surrounds herself by this accidentally by the smartest people in westeros um yeah, yeah she's a master delegator so we'll see so let's talk about uh, Daenerys a little bit. Um, let's talk about what's happened on Dragonstone, because where we left off, everybody, you know, we only just landed on Dragonstone, and then the words that was echoed out saying, oh, shall we begin? Uh, and so we see that in Dragonstone, a lot has happened already, and I'm glad that they're using this sort of environment, because it looks fucking gorgeous. Um, you know, you know, you start with having, like, Lady Olena and uh, Theon and the Sand Snakes, they all like meeting up and then we're going to be using this plan to say that this is you know Tyrion's plan Tyrion's plan is going to be hey what we're going to do is use the Dorn forces you the high garden forces we're going to do as much as we necessarily can we're going to send gray worm and all the unsullied to take castle rock whereas we're going to use the Dorn forces and a tyrell army to go ahead and just siege the entire um uh take all the food and basically trap everybody in king's landing um, while we then necessarily use the rest of the... Well, I don't know, actually, was the um, Dothraki army being used in that point, or no? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, okay. it, it seemed like she was going to hold them for a wild card. She was, that was her vanguard. Like, that right, was right, right. when she was going to win. That was what was going to happen. Okay. okay, so that was a trump card. Got it. Um, so, Although, I think most of everyone knew that the Dothraki were there, though. So it wasn't like it wasn't like a complete surprise attack type thing. Uh, I don't think she just she just didn't want to use them because they're they're not specialists. Like the unsullied, you could do a lot of things with. They're basically like we are gonna crash and burn this, like we saw in the past episode. Yeah, they just said here's the target, just go kill everyone. But I thought it was mentioned that in like looking at the Dothraki, that the Dothraki was actually 
um, more skilled than the Unsullied. Well, the Dothraki, I mean, they're all horse people, so they make great cavalry. And But the thing is, no one's seen the Dothraki fighting style in Westeros, for the most part. Unless there's, like, a couple people here and there that have visited Essos. So, has anybody seen the whole Kalasar fucking riding into battle like that? Not really. They've been in Essos, like, just raiding small towns and stuff. And to use them as a large mounted cavalry, I'm s- it's an impressive force. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm super pumped to talk about that a little bit later um, because that yeah. was just a spectacular to actually watch. But, you know, we're looking at in Dragonstone, and we have a lot of key players in here. Uh, and even kind of fast forward a little bit through this most pre- previous episodes, like Tyrion's plan is falling through one by one, and it's all being destroyed. Yara, Theon, and the Sand Snakes were just basically destroyed. Yara's captured. Theon ran away. Uh, and so, the, who's the leader of the Sand Snakes? Uh, her name is Ilaria, right? Ilaria. Uh, so Ilaria yeah. is now captured, and she's being basically slowly tortured in King's Landing. Um, you got Grey Worm, who took Cassiar Rock, but basically that none of the actual Lannisters were actually there um, so, and now they're basically stranded because of Euron's forces just took away all their ships so you see that plan is kind of not going um, to it and uh, lastly you also have uh, Lady Olenna and she's you know that entire sort of scenario that even happened there we can talk about that in a second but basically it kind of flipped the script of the Lannister army and the Tarleys they all just basically ran through Highgarden, took all their money and just killed a bunch of people. Uh, but I would love to give like a few minutes and let's talk about Lady Olena before we jump back into Dragonstone because best part of the season, oh. even better than the dragons. Eh, I take that back. Very close. <laughs> I was very like, close second to the dragons. Lady, it's fantastic. Scene. Lady Olena was. I think at one point, I think I was looking at the trending topic, like everybody was talking about her at, at this, this time. And I guess she's just the way that she was already everybody's favorite character because she was so quippy and she was like very like snark. But at the same time, she knew what she was talking about. But to go out like that was the fucking best. So I was super pumped. I was like, Ugh! and then Jamie couldn't do anything except just walk out. But uh, Bradlin, talk to me about what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, they call her for the Queen of Thorns for a reason. And, I mean, who else is going to say, all right, this is going to kill me, right? All right, I'm just going to drink this poison that kills me. Death has no meaning to her at all. She just doesn't give a fuck that she's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's all about, like, getting that last word in. It's just like, hey, it's a big middle finger to the Lannisters. I'm glad that I killed your kid, Joffrey. And I'm glad that y'all have no kids left over. Oof. Yeah, it was oh. so cold. Oh. And I love that even in this current episode, Bron says, "Oh, did she give you a prick in the balls before she went out?" I'm like, oh, she did, bro. Yeah, she did. That and that's <laughs> oh. And and the the hidden burn there is that uh, Jamie completely blamed Tyrion, and I don't know if she necessarily knew, but part of his re- realization is that he had an ally with Tyrion. And now he doesn't. And now Tyrion's uh, hilariously helping the person that's going to try and overthrow them, which could have completely been avoided if he just said, I believe you, you didn't kill your uh, nephew. That's all that's all that needed to happen. Yeah. And he would have had the smartest man on uh, in Westeros on his side. Well, Tyrion did kill Tywin. 
So right, but that was after the whole thing. That was yeah. like literally after the whole trial. Everything was all messed up and stuff. And Jamie already said like, I don't believe you. Um, and then you know, well, Tyrion's gonna just kill everyone because everyone thinks he killed everyone to begin with. Fair. Cool. So, so R.I.P. Lydia Lana. We we will miss you so. I really hope yeah. that she comes back in the flashback. But let's and talk I about. She, uh, I think one last thing on Lady Olena that she left uh, Daenerys with a really good piece of wisdom. So regardless of whoever advises you and uh, whoever has a great plan, sometimes going with your gut is the right move. And she told her to be a dragon. And so if she's going to be Targaryen, she's got to be full-blooded Targaryen and go out there and make things happen. I mean, I thought it was interesting because... You know, I had looked up this uh, last piece on Lady Elena. I had looked this uh, up of, you know, the definition of wailing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're pleading or it's like you're being helpless, but you're necessarily just saying something out there. Um, and it may not be necessarily directed to an audience. Um, and she's a widow. And to the fact that you have Jamie, who's there, carrying the sword, and she mentions that King Joffrey, uh, late King Joffrey, Named the sword Widow's Whale was a very powerful moment because that's what she's doing, and then she take the poison and kind of go through the entire thing. So um, I thought that was a really nice setup, and I thought that was a pretty cool way to not only introduce and let us know that hey, Valyrian steel, and I think we, they keep sprinkling this around that hey, Valyrian steel, but you're starting seeing that there's a, there's a reason for some of these names, and names mean something. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So Dragonstone. Yeah, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on besides, uh, well, I mean, finally getting to see the what is conceivably, I mean, they, they said it, they said uh, United Fire and Ice, and, you know, that's what Game of Thrones' real name is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, and so it was, that, that was a big moment. I don't know. I feel like I said it already about John and uh, Daenerys. Cool. Um, the one thing I, I guess it's getting a little weird with, uh, you know, she's technically his aunt, uh, and so we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if that plays out like uh, Targaryens are known for. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it and I got a couple of hints. I was like, they're getting kind of close in that cave with that fire. Uh, we know. We remember what happened last time. John was in a cave with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing, Johnson. Maybe he knows something now. Um, he does. So we leave in Dragonstone. Let's go over to Winterfell. Mike, tell me, there's tons of stuff, especially in these last two episodes, is happening with Winterfell. Um, so let's do a rundown of that. Yeah, uh, big thing there. I mean, this whole season has been about um, meetings uh, and either people crossing paths for the first time or crossing paths for the first time in a long time. Um, and so at Winterfell, we got the a lot of bigs with Bran coming back down below the wall um, and then um, with Arya coming up from the south. Um, I thought there was a couple like really key scenes, like Bran talking about you know, proving his ability to see different things by talking about the night that Sansa was raped. Um, that was, like, heavy. Uh, also, I think they've done a 
too good of a job of stripping Bran of his humanity because he is completely unlikable. Yeah. Like he is, and he's he's honestly like he's not even Joffrey level unlikable. Like you could watch Joffrey and you'd be, you'd be like, what is he going to do this time that is horrible to like humanity? Whereas Bran is just kind of, I don't know, he just. He just kind of exists. He says a bunch of like nonsense stuff, and then doesn't really do anything. Yeah, and he, he doesn't even have like a good personality to boot with it. It's it's kind of he's there and does stuff. Yeah, he's just now the uh, backup drive for Westeros history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But he and he has about the same amount of personality as a hard drive. Uh, he's a lord, um, lord Buzzkill of Winterfell. Yeah, and he's not even like good at his job either. Like he. Like he he should know that it was Littlefinger's knife that was the one that tried to kill him. You know he 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 should know that and he should be able to tell someone. And maybe he does, and he's just trying to wait for the right moment. I mean, I don't know if he even has that in him now. I think we're supposed to assume that he's just meant to be and be able to see everything because he's the Three Eyed Raven now. Yeah, I think it's a little. I, I like I definitely agree with you, um, Bullet. And I was really I'm super bummed because this was my favorite character, um, because of his ability and how he cared for it. And uh, we see you know a couple seasons ago of how Hodor became Hodor uh, was because of Bran kind of meddling into powers he didn't really he didn't he didn't know and like that happened. So he that should have like affected him. Uh, and Briley, you're gonna have to help me out with his name, but uh, his guardian this entire time. Uh, Mira. Mira. Mira, Mira Howell. Mira, yeah. The Howells. Mira Reed. Um, and so that stripping of his humanity, humanity to become like the Three-Eyed Raven is such a bummer because he was such a likable and lovable character that I think he has to do his duty, you know. Um, yeah. more so to being like his person his personality and I think we'll talk about this a lot with Sansa it, you know we'll talk about this a lot with the Starks because the three Starks that are there are going through some crazy crazy identity crisis crisis crises yeah. right now yeah what's interesting of Brand is like when is he going to choose to share that information and what is it I mean that's going to be his role is like Hey, here's something y'all need to know, or you're gonna lose, or someone's gonna die. Um, so it's gonna be kind of. I think it might be something where I don't know if it's his humanity that's gonna make that choice for him, or is it gonna be just. You know, so Brand's role as the Three-Eyed Raven, it is gonna be interesting of when he'll share this information, just based on has he been completely removed of his humanity? Is it gonna be a human reason he actually? shares the information he knows like john's parentage uh or is it just he's gonna deliver because there's a part of him that says like well this is what's expected to happen yeah i mean it's an interesting situation you have a character who knows all the answers uh in the past but may not necessarily know how those answers could affect the, the future um i think i don't know that's that's like my interpretation of it and so I think it's this huge waiting game because we're going to see, like, the Bran and uh, Jon Snow, like, meetup is probably going to, like, that's the only meetup that we're waiting for now, if, if anything. Yeah. Um, 
and that's going to be big because I think they're they're also I think for a plot right in the showrunners like they're waiting for the big reveal because we're all going to find out that he's going to be a Targaryen so um, there's something about that reveal that's going to happen and I think the, there's things that are set up in place that's not quite there yet uh, but I am a bit nervous of just having a character around now if he is the three-eyed raven who knows the answers he, he should know these answers already but there's I'm wondering what's the reasoning of why they're not sharing that information. Uh, and I really hope that there is a reason for it instead of just saying, hey, we're not going to share that information right now. So Yeah. And, I mean, the character of Bran, I mean, he's, he's still interesting to me. I don't feel bummed out by him. Because he can still have scenes like what he had with Littlefinger. And he, and he just says one phrase, which is chaos is a ladder. And that kind of, like, makes Littlefinger go stark white. Well, what if fingers on borrowed time? First of all, yeah. Stark White was great. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> I know you, you, that's great. Do you know what Chaos is a Ladder from? No. So it's uh, when Littlefinger and Varys were still uh, on Joffrey Small Council. And afterwards, that there's one meeting where Littlefinger pulls Varys aside and talks to him about how. Um, Despite who's on the throne, who's making whatever deals, uh, who's at war, um, everything ends in chaos. And chaos doesn't bring you down. It doesn't take you up. It's a ladder. And it's the climb that matters more than anything than the, the what's at the end of the ladder. That was a great scene with Jon Snow climbing the wall. But that was like one of my top five favorite Game of Thrones scenes. Yeah. And I mean, side note. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they even used that in the trailer where uh, Littlefinger is actually uh, talking about chaos as a ladder while they're showing that in Jon Snow. But uh, it's all a matter of, like, it's how you manipulate the game that's going to make things happen. And that's kind of like Littlefinger explaining his process to Varys Mm. of how he sees things. And so Bran knows how Littlefinger works. I just think and so. I, will I just, will Littlefinger be able to get away with what he's done before? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of bummed because you know he hasn't seen Sansa or Arya, you know, um, in how long? And Mira has to go get, say goodbye, and you're you're not going to give them anything anymore because you've now assumed that role. Like I, I guess yeah. I'm kind of bummed because I think we're going to talk about this next of you know the Maesters, right? And the reason the Maesters serve. The Maesters are there to serve to preserve the history of the world, uh, but they don't. They, but they can't. They shouldn't necessarily be con- connected for that. Uh, and it's kind of a bummer because you know even uh, Arya in this episode calls out Maester Lowing that like he you know he has such a uh, big impact on their lives. But it feels like now Bran is also being a part of that. You know I I now have to step out of my life as Bran, uh, and then I have to be uh, like a higher being. To protect the entire world which means that these little things here these little engagements or these little sort of interactions are aren't very important um and it's kind of a bummer but, yeah what do you do what do you do so let's leave the winterfell unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about because we got aria and then we also have Rhea, uh, we I, no, I mean one thing i would just mentioned is like it's good to see winterfell is open for business again stark banners everywhere yeah that's cool um, 
just the homecoming, the Stark family is back in Winterfell too. So you have three of the last six Starks, and then is John going to come back to Winterfell and be with them for just one last hurrah? Whatever they do, I feel like he should. Like he, I feel he, like he has he, to. Get he there. might be. It just depends on if someone else leaves first. Mm. He will. He'll go back up north. Yeah. And I just uh, and one thing is like Sansa. I love that Sansa has become. Uh, she's become the Stark people always wanted. I feel the, the Stark that the, that the North wanted Rob to be. That she's aggressive when she needs to be. That she's direct, uh, and then she can make these tough decisions and uh, start to plan out like how are they going to survive the long winter when it comes. Hmm. Yeah, I did, I did like I did like that. I, I still like her um, interactions and scenes just with Littlefinger because I feel like they're now like I, just looking at what's been happening. Like she is becoming more and more not only like him but just more and more wiser. And there was a great line from an episode that I was watching today of he she he tells her to look around, look at everybody here. We're all liars and we're all way better than you. As, as a liar so just think about that uh to now she's kind of hold her own and can have those conversations and be like the only reason why you're here right now is because you helped us a little bit but that's kind of about it sort of thing um yeah Arya it being, helps that she's grown eight feet tall too yeah yes yeah, <laughs> uh, Arya being an absolute badass quote-unquote maybe the best fighter in westeros could be maybe. could be uh, it could be. You never know. She's she's an assassin. She's not a you know. I still I would still take Brienne if that was a real fight. <laughs> if it was like a straight up fight in a battle, yeah, Brienne. But yeah, just Arya has to be too sneaky. But yeah, I was gonna say Arya. I mean, Arya might be the best killer in Westeros. I still think I. Uh, oh, dude, I heard a good one that Arya uses her uh, face changing um, ability and. Uh, so there's this theory that Cersei will die by the hands of her brother, quote unquote. And so that's like, it's, it's not a proven thing. It's just, it, like that was the part of the prophecy Mm -hmm. and, and then the speculation, I think there's a little bit more that it's like something to do with like the one that's close to you. So it it implies Jamie. And, uh, there's like this fan theory that I really like that, uh, Arya takes, the face of Jamie and then kills Cersei with it. Oof, that'd be great. So therefore fulfilling the prophecy of like, you know, of, of how Cersei dies. So that'd be kind of interesting because right now Arya doesn't have a ton of like end game. Like you can't, you can't assassinate the night watch or the, uh, the night's King, you know, like, so she has to do something else. And I think, her endgame is going to be knocking Cersei off the throne. I don't know. I think even from this episode alone, she now has two Valyrian steel uh, weapons that she's uh, probably... No, she doesn't. Oh, it's only one. Sorry. She just has one now. Yeah. I keep I keep forgetting Needle's not Valyrian steel, but whatever. Uh, so she, she actually has a Valyrian steel sort of blade. And I think, and we talked about this, that we recount where these Valyrian steel weapons are, arguably they're with a lot of these great warriors... Are great fighters somehow, and they're become they're going to become an importance. They have to, because besides that, in the dragonglass and fire, like those are only three things that can kill um, these White Walkers. 
So I think she's gonna be because now I, I thought for sure because she always had layer and steel, but I was like, crap, I was wrong. Now she does have layer and steel, so that's what says I think she's gonna be a part of that battle. Yeah, one interesting thing about the dagger though is I think it's fitting that she ends up with it because it has no name. You're good. You are yeah. good. You are good. Um, anything else in Winterfell? Let's uh, let's chat about King's Landing and what's happened at King's Landing, and then uh, lastly, we're actually going to talk about this most recent episode with what's happening with Jamie too. So we have those a couple different points. But uh, so let's talk to me about all the stuff that's been happening with King's Landing uh, and Cersei and Kyborn and uh, just everything that's happening there, uh, Mike. Yeah, uh, I mean, Cersei's been her, her usual evil self. Um, they've done an interesting job of kind of still making that the hub that everyone goes through, even though a lot of our more interesting characters are elsewhere. Um, the whole thing with, like, Euron buzzing in and out, which, I don't know, I've kind of, like, warmed up a little on him. He's so much different in the books, but I think that one crazy look that when he was raiding, um, the Dornish, you know, envoy, uh, and he was just, he was absolutely mad in the face. It was like, all right, well, they shouldn't have called him Euron and they should have just gave him a new name. And that like, uh, and this is the case that they should have done a wink and a nod. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the, you know, brothers. He's one of the, um, you know, Theon's uncle. Um, and just made him some crazy pirate instead of Euron. I think that would have pissed off a lot of less people. Um, I do. I came around to him that scene though because he was killing Sand Snakes and they're terrible characters that are poorly written and serve no purpose to the story. So anyone that can kill the Dornish, that no one else can see this because this is not a video. But I just <laughs> give a big old thumbs up. Big old thumbs up. The aggressive thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like how they, um, they killed the woman with the whip, with the whip, and they killed the other woman. What was her weapon? Was it a sword? Spear. Spear. With a spear. It was like one of those was Colleen Wing, which I thought was hilarious. Huh. You would have thought that uh, the one with the whip is Colleen Wing. Yeah, you would have thought Sir Loras would have shown up and uh, you know whoops and butt. <laughs> but he's burnt alive. So he's also the Iron Fist. Yeah, his fist is burning. I am Jamie Rand. The Iron Fist, sworn enemy of the hands. Oh, wait, can you tell me that again? <laughs> Honestly, his title was said, I wonder who said it more, his title or Daenerys's. And I wonder which one takes longer. Oh, that's a good point. Like, yeah, <laughs> like every single time. Yeah, I was going to say, infection protector. <laughs> which was a great line. Oh, it's segue, non sequitur right here. A great line for when Jon Snow met Daenerys and she had that 19 page long title that you just kind of like, and when you're reading the books, you just look for wherever the next paragraph is and be like, nah, I'm starting there now. <laughs> um, and then Davos and all his whimsical uh, is just like, nah, this is Jon Snow. <laughs> oh yeah, he's king of the north. <laughs> I love Davos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a. I think he's one of the few like better in the show characters um, than in the books. He has a lot. I think the actor's name is Liam Cunningham. Um, has a lot more charisma in the role than what is presented in the, the books. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, yes. Euron is is such a problem for me. 
Um, and it's it's not that they deviate from the, his character in the books as much. I mean, it would be cool to see, like, since his boat is named Silence, how all his crew is supposed to have no tongues. That would have been really neat to see. Um, but um, but it, I, I think of, like, what are the Greyjoys supposed to stand for? And this character doesn't act like a what I feel like an Ironborn should act. I think they should be ruthless pirates. I think they should see, like, an invitation from uh, King's Landing, Landing to come into Blackwater Bay as an opportunity to actually loot and pillage and plunder. And they don't do that at all. They're like, let's hear this person out type of thing. And he acts like, I mean, he, he seems to be a character of just conveniently just there to fuck up whatever Daenerys is trying to do. And, I mean, he is conveniently, like, in around, um, uh, where we're, like, around the, uh, horn where you, you uh, where they, uh, are sailing to Dorne. Hey, magically Euron pops up and takes the Greyjoys, takes Yara and kills the Sand Snakes and takes Illyria. Uh, and then, like, the Unsullied, uh, sailed to uh, Castle Rock. Hey, surprise! Euron's here to actually burn all your ships down. <laughs> that, that was that coming. That was it happened, big... it happened. It teleported too because it happened like less than like an hour for all that to happen. Uh, well, so Brian touched on like that was the big thing that I took offense that he kind of was just an excuse to move the plot forward. Like I talked about before, where Jon Snow didn't really have to talk about anything. He basically just had to wait for Euron to foil their plans again. Um, in the books, I will say this, that his character was exiled early, and so he's not your typical Ironborn. And that's why he doesn't behave like one. Uh, he's a very worldly-traveled person. He doesn't raid in Westeros. He raided across the sea in Essos. Essos. Um, and so he has a lot of different perspectives on how things go rather than just strictly like the Ironborn way. He's a... Uh, he, I expect he, it to be more like Salador San as a pirate. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, probably more vicious. But he doesn't, like, I think he's the one that doesn't necessarily, is it him or Victorion that doesn't worship the the drowned god? Um, Victorion is with a red priest, so it's Victorion that has, okay. has the bird arm. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. I got him, I got him mixed up. I was going to say, he, I, I knew one of them didn't even worship the gods of the Greyjoys. Yeah, I think Euron's all about the drowned god. Yeah, he is. Cool. All right. So, other than that, I mean, I I was interested in uh, the other, only the stuff that's happening in King's Landing. Um, we have uh, uh, one of the members of the Iron Banks there asking for his money back. Um, we also have the fact that you know Jamie or Cersei just doesn't give a shit. Uh, if people know that her and Jamie are sleeping together, so this is clearly like her world and people are just living in it. Um, she was also working with Kyburn so that they can actually create a weapon that what we're going to bring up in this next uh, segment of here where we're going to talk about, you know, what's going on with Jamie Lannister in this in th this battle, which was crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't think too much else is happening in uh, King's Landing um, there. So, yeah, it's cool. 
Um, okay, so then lastly, let's chat about Jamie. Uh, and let's chat about Jamie in the, in the context of this particular kind of episode and just all the issues, like all the things that he's necessarily going through. Um, because I feel like he's probably, he probably has the worst right now. Uh, Brylin, chat with me. Jamie's very conflicted right now. Like, he loves his sister to death that he will do anything for her. But he's also kind of worried about, like, how crazy is she going to get? Is she just going to tear down the Lannister tradition completely in order to get things to maintain the Iron Throne and rule over Westeros? Or is he going to be able to talk some sense into her? And he, I feel like he kind of just has no direction right now. And he's just kind of following the lead of what she wants to do. Um, but it still shows that he's a master tactician. He's a master swordsman, even with one arm, that uh, his maneuver of pulling the uh, Lannisters into High Garden with the Tarleys and negotiating that deal with the Tarleys to take them over, you see the full might of the Lannisters and how impressive that army is. So that's definitely telling that it will take a lot to take them down. And they're not going out without a fight. Um, and... It's, uh, I think that Cersei's uh, craziness is kind of like affecting him a bit as well. I think the whole scene where he has a chance to kill Daenerys and runs just head on with a spear because he's, he's probably thinking like, how the fuck am I going to kill this dragon or kill her? Nah. Might as well try this. <laughs> he just looks for the closest weapon and goes for it. To be fair, though, uh, I, I was saying this while the episode was going. All it took was one idiot full, foot soldier with a bow and arrow, and there goes Daenerys. Like, once she gets off the dragon, it is game on. And that dragon can protect against Jamie Lannister, who's charging headlong with the spear. No way that dragon reacts in time to stop a speeding arrow. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I, I, one thing that I've been a little bit, because the first couple seasons, I thought that Jamie was the most interesting character on the show. That he was going through this transformation, that he got captured, he had to rethink how his society works. Uh, he interacted with a lot of interesting characters. So they kind of left him in limbo for the last like couple seasons, um, where he he knows his sister is crazy, and he knows that he's he's probably gonna have to step in at some point. Uh, but he keeps on going back to her, and they. They don't really show that mental... They don't show enough of his thought process on why he keeps on going back to her um, because we know that it's not straight up just unconditional love um, because he has the thoughts and he's willing to admit that she's absolutely crazy. Um, and in the first couple seasons, he was a little bit more unconditional about it where like he didn't, he wouldn't necessarily admit that she was that mad. Um I don't know. It, they're leaving him in limbo, and that last episode was amazing, showing him uh, interacting with crazy characters in different places uh, that don't include Dorne. Um, and I think that we're in for that again because obviously he's he's going to get saved. You know, he's drowning, but he's going to get saved. And um, I think that he's going to get held hostage. I mean, they're gonna one of them is going to figure out who he is. Because uh, Tyrion's right on scene and say, "Hey, this one don't burn alive. Let's keep him. Let's uh, let's see what we can do for him." And so this is what Jamie's best at. Jamie's best at interacting with people that he shouldn't be interacting with. Um, and we'll see if we can get back to that early form. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I'm I'm interested of 
seeing Jamie and Tyrion um, talk again because that's that's gonna happen and just um, if they're gonna stay in King's Landing or in that area or if they're gonna go back to Dragonstone like regroup or what's gonna happen there like that's gonna be kind of interesting I, I would assume that they go back to Dragonstone because that's also weird the fact that now Jon Snow is on Dragonstone like like by himself sort of thing um, I've always liked Jamie because even kind of going through it and kind of like comparing him from the books to what's happening here and then just seeing his I think he has like one of the best slash sort of worst um, character in like kind of story arcs and, that, and the reason why it's worse is because he's been plagued for it you know he saved the entire kingdom for killing the king but everybody always calls him Kingslayer and calls that he's like a betrayer of it. So he's always been played for saving the world, sort of thing. And I was, and I, or you know, saving this, you know, society. So I thought that was just a, a, a poetic thing to, to just to be the character of because then you know, he, I guess when we meet him, he had like a I don't really I don't give a shit sort of thing. But then he got humbled a lot, and now I feel like he's way more torn. And um, even with the conversation that he had with Lady Elena. Uh, the fact that you know he's starting to like slowly see that things aren't what they seem that they are, um, and he knows that Cersei's crazy now. And I think that like even for this scenario of or even for this season, now he doesn't have any kids anymore because majority of it because of um, Cersei's actions. A lot of it has been because of her actions, um, or you know results of her actions. So. I think that's really interesting and just like this up and down sort of roller coaster he's kind of going with and he's still trying to be this person I think he's still trying to be this name but I don't think he really believes that he's going to be that I think something like this like this defeat on this battle here is probably going to change him again and he's probably going to switch up and do uh, I think he's going to do a little bit things a little bit differently uh, because I thought it was also very impactful when he's talking to Dickon not Rickon when he's talking to <laughs> Dickon right and uh you know, he he asks, you know, how do you think the, the uh, how do you think about the world or the war? He's like, oh yeah, blah blah blah. He's like, well, your father's not here, and one of the first things he's like, you know, it's tough because, um, you know, when I was growing up, you know, Dickon saying that you know Tarly's in the house Tyrell, like that was, that was our that was like our bond, like that I grew up with these people that I've actually I hunted with these people that I just killed, um, and I think these things are are affecting Jamie slowly for surely like they are definitely kind of changing him because I think he's probably going to quit in the King's Guard or I have a bunch of different theories about that but he still ends up being like besides him and Bran and Bran is going down the dark path that I cannot follow yeah that was a Star Wars reference um it's uh it's kind of tough just to think that you know I, I don't know if Bran's going to be able to kind of come back unless he's not going to do that stuff but Jamie for sure uh in that theory or the sort of prophecy of if he's going to kill Cersei or not, or how that's going to happen. Um, I think he's going to kill the Mad Queen, like he killed the Mad King, and somehow has to die from that. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah. But well, yeah, one of the things that's most interesting about um, Jamie and Cersei's conversations is every single conversation they've had, he is second-guessing her every single way, uh, every single step of the way. So, yeah, he, he knows that her choices are the wrong one because they're all made out of let's scare the shit out of people, let's make them fear us or love us through fear instead of um, trying to win over the hearts of the uh, the common folk. And um, and one thing I just picture every time they finish a conversation, 
even though she always seems to get the upper hand, I see him like slowly just like kind of creeping back and going, okay, whatever you say. And, and I'm waiting for that point where he just says enough is enough. Yeah. Well, I think we might get that sooner rather than later. Warren, you raised a good point that I kind of even forgot about. Um, is that he's going to meet Tyrion, which I said four minutes ago. Uh, but what I forgot is that he now knows that Tyrion is innocent mm-hmm. from what he originally kicked him out for. Um, and so he's going to very, very quickly face the ramifications of his earlier actions. And I don't know, we might see him, we might see him change, change hands. Uh, well, you know, it's, I guess a pun. Uh, <laughs> um, so to speak, uh, if... Tyrion can have words with them. And what that does to the Lannister army after that, kind of be interesting. That's going to be a very that's going to be a very powerful scene. Let's say, for instance, if Daenerys does capture Jaime, because she even said a line in this episode of, are you being soft on your family? Like, are enemies? You mean your family. You're being soft on your family. Um, I know that everybody's going to want to execute him. And it's going to be kind of a same, similar scenario of what Rob Stark was dealing with. Of should we execute him? We have him as a captor, uh, if you know, if he gets if he gets rescued and get captured and stuff like that. So I'm 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 super interested of how that's going to play out. Um, if they're going to kill him, if they're going to capture him, like slowly but surely, what's going to necessarily going to happen there? But uh, yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I like I like Jamie. I think I think that's gonna be an interesting thing. And just seeing him and freaking uh, Ty- T- Tyrion screen together, I think that's gonna be a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about this battle sequence, guys. Did you did did you know that this was coming? Did you have any idea, any inclination, what was gonna happen here? Yes. No. How, Mike? Tell no. me. Did you read well, the two story? things? One thing I, I watched the trailer, uh, and so it showed it showed uh, the dragon above the Lannister army, uh, or the way they cut it was that they showed the scene where the dragon was above the Dothraki, and then it didn't take too much to figure it out. Um, they uh, also, as soon as they said um, she's gone. My mind was like, oh, oh, oh here we go. <laughs> and then and then you cut to Laporte's, you know, hapless face of, uh, you know, Braun and Jamie. And as soon, it, like, we, we figured out, because earlier they were talking about um, how they needed to siege King's Landing. And then as soon as they're like, yeah, we got all the gold in King's Landing, but all our hay is left outside. I was like, well, she's not attacking the army. She's just crushing their grain yeah. so she can make the siege easier later on yeah um yeah. so yeah I, I i knew that was going to come up and i was pleasantly still surprised yeah it was great to see braun again i miss that dude uh he's my if i want a goofy character in westeros it's braun and but it's also like just seeing him as a skilled combatant he's the first one to like kind of hear Hey, something's not right here. This sounds like thunder's coming. Um, but um, I just like the reactions of all the soldiers that you see in the scenes. Like when they see the Dothrak and they start to hear their hollering and everything, they're just like, "Oh, this is pretty fucking serious." Everybody gets <laughs> your spears. Yeah. And they just start lighting up, and then they start, um, and then they see the dragon. They're just like, "Oh shit." And then they see what the dragon does, and they're just like, uh, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
that scene. I'll say the Lannisters did a better job than I thought. Uh, you know, they 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 had one. You know, the dragon had that initial burn through, and the wall held like yeah. everywhere else, which I, I was surprised by. That was a losing fight if I've ever seen one. Uh, you know, once the dragon burned through that one side, I can't believe they they held up everything else. Yeah, I I was. So of of course I'm not gonna mention this, but I completely took taken aback and um, it was hitting me in ways because the, it was it started at the footsteps and Bronze like looking at them and I was like oh shit something's about to go down and it took a little bit and I was like oh maybe it's this not gonna happen and then you start seeing them coming up on the uh, on the on the over the hill and I was like oh shit's about to go down I didn't know we were gonna get a battle scene I, I, I'm now freaking out so like my heart's pumping I was like okay this is gonna be awesome but. It, it should be a different battle scene. I don't know exactly what's happening. Maybe they're going to seal the gold. Maybe they're not. But then there's a line that said the gold was delivered. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to have a battle scene. It's going to be pretty cool. And then I was excited to see that she was on this dragon. And I also got the same thing, Mike. I was like, oh, she's gone. So maybe she's like, you know, uh, riding the dragon. For sure, she's riding Drogon into it. And I think one of the best things that I enjoyed was after that they, and this sounds kind of dark, but after the dragon burned those people alive, like their bones and stuff would just turn into ash, how hot the fire was. And you, they had a couple of shots of people just like burning and like their, their skin's kind of melting off yeah. and all this sorts of stuff. And I was like, they are really dialing up this fire uh, sequence. But, you know, this, I think one of the, the cool first scenes time. was like, there was a part where Drogon like burned a line of Lannisters yeah. and... The wind came by and just blew him as dust right yeah. behind Jamie. Yes. Oh. It was so fucking crazy. I love, like, that was a scene I was like, oh, I love that part. And uh, this entire battle was just kind of crazy. Even when Bronn goes against um, one of the um, Dothraki horde, and you see the Dothraki go up and chop the leg off the horse. Oof. Come on. Like, I... I was absolutely kind of blown away. Absolutely stunned. I, I will just say this: like, I kind of wish they established those, the, like, basically the uh, the blood riders a little bit better, um, just so we'd have a little bit more of a personal stake in mm. that fight. Uh, I, I mean, I, like, it wasn't hard to figure out who they were and why they mattered, um, but it would have nice to have them have a couple speaking roles before. It would have felt more involved. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah like, was the one with the double arrows? Was that like? Jokin or, or I forget his name is Jokin. Yeah, I, I forget. It's been a while since I read the book. I I, I don't remember their names. They're not the original guys. They're not Cal Drogo guys. So that's probably why they didn't introduce them. But it, it would have been nice to, to see because they do play a very big part in the books. Yeah, I mean it would have been nice to have like the stakes a little bit higher for that because we know who Bronn is and if Bronn dies, we're gonna feel something. But if Bron kills this other no-name dude, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, he killed him a cool way. Like, he killed him from the spear. What was the name of that thing again? Uh, Scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. Uh, I was going to call it a Scyther. I was like, that's not a Scyther. Uh, but, yeah, so he killed him with the Scorpion. So I think that was a, a pretty uh, interesting moment to see, like, the power of that. But, you know, I would just... I was actually really surprised that Jamie didn't, like, flee and run away at all. In the battle, he kind of still held his own and was still necessarily trying to fight, although he's trying to fight a losing battle for sure. Um, and, you know, Drogon got hit with the Scorpion, and he got, got that. So we know that they're effective against dragons, so I'm interested to see how, you know, Kyber is going to necessarily kind of ramp that up 
we know that they're effective against dragons, but I don't necessarily know if King's Landing knows that. Because if no one got out of that battle alive and they had a, a scorpion and say word gets back that there was a dragon attack and then they're like, well, why didn't the scorpion take it down? Mm. I think that that battle might actually work against the Lannisters and might potentially make them rethink their strategy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I, I'm wondering what else could take out a dragon, though, if it's not, you know, a scorpion. I don't know. Any other comments about the, uh, the battle, guys? Um, it was cool to see Randall Tarly on fire. That Wait. was pretty cool. Oh, I missed that. He was on fire? Yes. Yeah, I missed that too. That's pretty cool. Oh, crap. I gotta go back. That's sad. I'm, I'm kind of sad about that now. Oh. Uh, he, he's, he, he had it coming. Yeah, he, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, it was just cool to see Danny take a risk, and... Like, uh, and like, uh, she, her own losses, uh, I mean, some Dothraki died as well, but, um, uh, Drogon, uh, getting wounded. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like, Hey, is she going to hold back on her dragons or is she going to bring Viserion and Rhaegal into it next time as well? Uh, and, um, are we going to see one of them perish? I mean, that's the thing that's in my mind. I think. That's a, the thing on a lot of people's minds. Once you commit these animals to war, then they're going to be vulnerable in certain ways because they are mortal creatures. They're not in, impervious or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Even though seeing all those arrows bounce off Dragon's chest was pretty badass. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the dragons being alive kind of like the direwolves being alive at this point. Because once... If there is a Targaryen alive, like there's going to be an equal amount of Targaryens alive, that there is going to be an equal amount of uh, dragons. And because there's only two Targaryens that we know of, I think one of the dragons is going to die. Um, how? I'm not sure. But. I'll give you a, another popular fan theory: is that Tyrion's actually a, uh, a Targaryen as well, which it almost seems like that's like the it was a dream cop out that movies take, um, you know. But it there, it would make sense that the whole. You know, he's not really my son type thing. Yeah. Um, uh, where Joanna uh, Lannister got impregnated by Targaryen, yep. which might be why Tywin revolted. That's also why she died during childbirth, which is another thing of if uh, non-Targaryen births a Targaryen, that they're going to die in childbirth. And I know that the yeah. description of Ty- um, Ty- uh, Tyrion in the book, two different eye color, and I think he had like silver hair or something like that, was vastly different what they did him in the show. Uh, I think I think we actually talked about that. Uh, we probably talked about it in person, but uh, that was another huge theory that I had too. That would be cool to have three dragon riders being Jon Snow, Daenerys, and uh, Tyrion. Uh, it could still happen. It'd be cool. I think one of the dragons has to die though, um, just to show them the, the the stakes sort of thing. And I think it's also going to be like a you know she's losing her she's losing her babies. You know she's losing part of herself, and that's like you were talking about, Brian. Here, if just the War happens and people get lost in war too. And I think there's going to be a lot of other key characters that's going to die by the end of this ba- this war for sure. But yeah. how they're going to die, how that's going to happen, that's going to be interesting. Uh, one thing I wasn't quite sure of: did they melt the um, the carriage that had the gold in it? No, that delivered. They, I think that got delivered. Yeah, Randall okay. Tarley ran out like ran up right before the scene was like, "Oh, we got delivered." I was like, "Fuck." All right, whatever. All right. Yeah, yeah but the green is is in the long term going to be more important. Because you can't get, you know, once the siege starts, it's all just whatever is. Because Winterfell's doing the same thing right now, which I thought was a, 
was an interesting uh, commonality is that they're both preparing for siege and one of them is getting a heck of a head start um, mm. because their enemy can't do what Daenerys did. Mm. I think it's pretty cool to see that they give uh, Brown a moment of he's not just about gold because earlier in this in the earlier in the episode that he talked about you know cool you paid me but where's my castle sort of thing and so you see the scene of he gets knocked off his horse he looked at the gold at the gold bag and decided to go and fight to try to win the battle instead of going back for his gold so um they're definitely kind of giving him a little bit more to do which is nice because we i think this is the first episode that he's talked this entire season yeah Right, he didn't. We didn't say. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Uh, I'm glad that they're giving him more stuff to do. Cause I think he's definitely became like a fan favorite. It's gonna be interesting to see who's gonna, if he's gonna die or not. Um, yeah, if Braun and Tyrion reunite, that's gonna be some bad blood right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really though, I don't know. Badish. I mean, he asked him to be his uh, champion against the mountain, and Braun was like. He can't afford me, and just turned his back on him. So was, he he did a dick move to him. Fair, yeah. Is right. he gonna hold that grudge? That was a good point. Yeah, cool. All right, last and thoughts about the yeah. uh, episode. Anything else you guys want to chat about? I know, Bradley, you had a couple of comments just about like this entire series, like this season, because it's a little bit shorter. How it's a little bit different. Um, so let's talk about. Um, that stuff. Yeah, first off, my last comment about the battle was like it's good to see. Jamie is still a competent fighter, even though he doesn't have his dominant sword hand. So, uh, good to see he can still hold his own. Um, but yeah, as far as the season, uh, it, this could be just a um, symptom of their. I think this has been a symptom of just how they're just trying to finish up the story, but the pacing feels way rushed for a lot of what's going on. Uh, and I think that kind of makes them have to rely on it, uh, creating a character like Euron Greyjoy just to make shit happen in the story. Uh, and that's why I have so animosity, so much animosity towards that character because we briefly saw him last season. He killed his brother, took the Iron Crown, and uh, promised a thousand ships on an island that has no trees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's... Um, He's a. Uh, it's uh it it does throw you off a bit. It's kind of disjointed. Their storytelling compared to previous uh, season. So uh, it's definitely taken a notch down when it comes to how they're pacing out the different stories. But it's good to see everything being uh, the com- a big convergence happening. I mean, you have John Daenerys together finally. Um, you may have. Jamie, Tyrion, John, and Daenerys all in the same place soon. Even Bronn. Like, that's some of the major characters that have been Game of Thrones. You got the Starks and Winterfell again. And it's all the surviving Starks. I mean, no one's really lost or anything. Everybody's finding their way back to home uh, when it comes to the Starks. And then uh, the Lannisters are acting like lions. They're finding different ways to uh, survive and fight till the bitter end. To hold on to what they think is uh, rightfully theirs. Mike, lasting thoughts? Yeah, I think that the show was completely saved by uh, by the last scene from last episode, and then this this whole episode. Um, it was 
like Brian said, the pacing was very weird. It was like kind of too slow in the uh, old town parts, but kind of too fast of like people just showing up. And yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to leave Winterfell. Boom, in Dragonstone. Oh, the other thing, I forgot to point this out. Uh, Dragonstone is at the mouth of the Blackwater Bay. So that means that like Euron would have sailed directly past the other Greyjoy fleet to get into King's Landing. So that but one made sense. Fleet. Yeah, exactly. Like that one, you know, they pretty much can wave to each other from, you know, from those (laughs) two. So that one was a little bit suspect and they definitely didn't like tactfully did not say that in the TV show that they were that close to each other. Um, but and yeah, you three dragons just chilling in Blackwater at the mouth. Right, of right. Like every, you know, everyone in King's Landing would see them cruising over the ocean. Um, so yeah, the pacing was definitely a little goofy. Uh, the um, I think that this episode really, really saved that season from being just like a good whatever. I'm, I'm going to watch it because I'm watching it. To like, oh my god, we're seeing dragons fight. You know, it's it's it was. Definitely, so much fan payoff right yeah, there. For sure, I think some of even uh, even for this episode and just the entire season alone. Like, I, I obviously I think we all enjoy the season. Um, I think I also like it when, like, I like in appreciating and enjoying the dialogue that comes with it and how like some of these lines that they're said they're also coming back. Like you talk about the chaos as a ladder and the brand um, stuff and like. How did that like, give me that action in just the dialogue and the acting alone besides the battle? Because the battles are going to be good. Doesn't matter like where they're going to happen. Those are going to be solid. But make sure everything else is also just as good as a battle scene. Just would do like a battle with words. And I really enjoy like some of the stuff in the earlier seasons of when um, Varys and when uh, Littlefinger are talking to each other about. The bat, like the Game of Thrones, they literally are just going back and forth with their words, and that's a very, it's such a amazing dialogue that they're having with each other that you just want to watch that. Just two people talking, and just some of the shots that you actually see of they're literally talking on both sides of the actual Iron Throne about it, but neither one of them wants it because they know they're smart enough. Is once you get up there, you're you're probably gonna die. Uh, so I'm I'm glad they're at least. There's some moments that they're putting some good stuff in there. There's also a lot of moments that they're putting a lot of pause and they're taking their they're letting their time sink in with the scene. Like they're not rushing that. And we get an example of you know when Arya goes down to you know the um, the grave to look at Nedard's uh, Stark's like grave, and they took the time with not rushing, going through and talking a lot. Like Arya has changed as a person. Sansa has changed as a person. They they note that they both have changed, but it's probably not quite yet to get into all the details of it. They they just have to then appreciate each other's being and company first. Like, you're alive. I'm, I'm glad that you're alive. But last time we saw them there, they were, they are always at each other's throat. So that's still not a thing that changed. Um, so I like that they gave the time for that. Like, they didn't rush that through. Uh, and those are the moments that I think are really going to, what people are going to say, like, this is good. This is, like, this is a good season. It's not a good season. Like... Uh, and that's going to be pretty good. But even for last, like last season, you know, the Battle of the Bastards, that was awesome. But there's a lot of moments, but it, like even when John and uh, Sir, uh, John and Sansa was planning that battle um, of Winterfell, like that was also a pretty pretty cool moment of what's going to happen there. I just like the the actual um, language and the dialogue there. 
So I'm excited. You're excited. I'm excited. Yeah. We're all excited to chat about more of this stuff. I'm excited to chat more about what, Brylon, where can I find more of your work? You can find me on Twitter at Brylon, B-R-I-L-U-N-D, sending out raving raving messages that say send nudes. Uh, And you can also read my many movie reviews on my Instagram account, I am (laughs) Brylon. Send nudes. Really? It took you three days for that? Uh, Mike, Mike the Shredder, where can you find more of your work? And I also hear that you got a show coming up. Yeah, we're playing at uh, some place down in Union Square in the Cambridge area. Um, that's not, any y'all. That's Somerville area. You know, yeah, going. whatever. It's all the same thing to me. Like, it's only lived here my entire life. Um, yeah, uh, we're jamming out. Uh, you can find us at uh, My News Music or My News Band on most major platforms. Um, unlike Mr. Mocha, there's no one else in the world with My News. Uh, just watch out. If you misspell it, you get a bunch of butts. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of butts. A bunch of, whole bunch of butts. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're doing some stuff. Uh, we, we posted our first Facebook Live video, which uh, I'm waiting for it to get deleted uh, because my buddy didn't believe me and just took his butt out and, you know, just mooned the camera. Uh, so that's going to get that's going to get copyright claim or not copyright. That's going to get, you know, parental, you know, claimed in a minute, but Facebook black bar on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'd be it's just Zuckerberg. No, it's just Tom's face. Oh, <laughs> my face Tom. Uh, that'll be the biggest troll. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to, we're, we're, we're moving on up. We're almost at 60 followers on Facebook. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You're moving on up. On the east side of Berlin, in the part of the sky. (laughs) Anywho, uh, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, I am Warren, and uh, what I would say is we we love to do this. We love enjoying and talking about things uh, from time to time, and we're excited to talk about some of our next reviews and some things that are actually like getting some pretty good reviews so far um, at the box office. There, Um, we are down in front podcast. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have a bunch of stuff. We have a patreon.com slash down in front podcast that for a small, small portion, it's it's a well, uh, Arizona iced tea, a sweet tea version of an Arizona iced tea. The, the price is on the can, 99 cents. Small donation. What we necessarily do from that, we use those funds to do podcast hostings as well as watch movies, kind of in- introduce guests, do a bunch of interviews. We're just doing a bunch of different tools for that. Uh, any and every donation will be helpful. Um, even kind of quick shout out or kind of hopping on Skype just to hang out with us. That would be great. So that's patreon.com slash down in front. Uh, you'll see a c- couple of buttons. You can subscribe for $1 a month. So feel free. It's always awesome and super helpful. Um, we're on Twitter, so it's going to be at underscore D-I-F-P. That stands for at underscore down in front podcast, where you see a bunch of different tweets. We actually talk about some of our next reviews that's coming up, and sometimes we just say how much we love Charlie Hunnam. So you'll also see those tweets there, so feel free for that. Uh, and we have our Facebook, and we have our email. Our email is going to be downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com, and our Facebook is facebook.com slash D-A-F-P. That stands for facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast, where you see a bunch of information and all the things that we want to necessarily do. So with that, we will say thank you so much. we glad you enjoyed Game of Thrones mid-season recap, and we will see you next time. Bye!
Goodbye. Why are we all waving? I'm waving. Okay, you said bye. <laughs> you said bye.